Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. and welcome to another episode of Baby Whisperer by Practical Parenting. I'm your host, Erin Craven. This episode, we're continuing our special series on baby sleep, but this week we're focusing on establishing sleep patterns and what's normal after the first four months. We're joined again by Trudy Tripodi, Child and Family Health Nurse from Tresillian Family Centres. Judy, thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Erin. Very happy to be here. Now, Judy, hopefully we've got a little bit more of a handle on this whole parenting thing by this stage and our newborn sleeping patterns, but how do they change as babies get older? So, Erin, generally what happens as babies get older, and I'd probably say this is from three to four months on, is that their night's sleep will tend to lengthen. So it could lengthen, say, starting from, say, five to six hours. And um, hopefully that might be in the middle of the night, but it could be any time in the night. It could be at the start of the night or after midnight. And then what you'll notice is that during the day, the amount of sleeps baby has in the day will decrease. And also you'll notice too that the baby will be able to manage being able to stay up a little bit longer as well. And how many naps then should a baby be having every day? Uh, So that's very individual with the naps. And probably what I would suggest is um, have a look always at your baby because every baby is quite individual and be guided by their behaviour and their cues. Um, And so if they wake up after what you might consider um, not a very long nap and they're happy and gurgling and looking at you, then you can assume that they've had enough sleep. But we do have guidelines and I suppose I can just mention them quickly. So from three to six months, babies would have, say, an uptime in the day between an hour and a half, possibly two and a half, three hours. Um, And that usually equates to, say, three day naps. And then from six to 12 months, babies can be awake for, say, two hours progressing to four by the time of their first birthday. And then you'll probably find then that they will drop to two naps a day. And then after their first birthday onwards, they'll be dropping um, to one day nap, which usually equates to a four to five hour uptime. And that would be the case where they'd have an early lunch and then maybe their nap might be 12.30 Uh, to one o'clock in the afternoon. Now, ideally, each day nap would consist of two sleep cycles. And we've chatted about this in previous podcasts where each sleep cycle is 30 to 50 minutes. So we'd like two sleep cycles, ideally for a day nap, but um, some babies might only have one. And that's and that's where it's always important to have a look at how your baby's behaviour is when they wake up, um, whether you think, oh, have they had enough sleep? I was going to ask you that next, the dreaded catnapper, and my son was one of these, where it seemed like you put him down and 20 minutes later he would be awake. What do you do when you have one of those 
kids? Yeah. Oh, Erin, that is such a good question because I cannot tell you how often I am asked that question about the catnapper. Um, and so it's really common and I define a catnap as the baby just having one sleep cycle. So um, just before I say maybe what to do, I think it's good just to backtrack a bit just to refresh about sleep cycles uh, where we know that um, a baby will go through a period of um, they'll start off with an active sleep state, go to a deeper, a quieter sleep state, then go back up to another active sleep state. And that, that, that will make up the sleep cycle. And with small babies and infants, that's about 30 to 50 minutes. For you and I, it's about 60 to 90 in an adult. And what happens with uh, small babies is that that will be that sleep cycle and they'll transition from one to the next. Now, I did say 30 to 50 minutes, but there's some babies who can be as little as 20 minutes. And so what to do in regards to that? Um, I can spend a little bit of time here because it would be refreshing back all those things that we had chatted about previously on ways how to establish baby to develop good sleep behaviours. So that means looking at their bedtime routine, which mm -hmm. is that sequence of events day and night that you do in the lead up to putting them down to sleep. And what I just touch on here for the older baby, where probably six months on, is that have a look if you're making them more dependent on you to go to sleep. So we talk about unhelpful sleep associations and helpful sleep associations. So as the baby's getting older, things like breastfeeding to sleep, bottle feeding to sleep, the dummy, um, holding the baby and rocking them to sleep and popping them in the cot, even sharing the same bed to sleep in, become unhelpful and they actually then prevent baby from moving forward to just transition to the next sleep cycle. And this can then contribute to these 20 minute, yep. these brief cat naps. So it's, it's looking that at that and thinking, okay, how can I try to pull back on giving so much support? And that's where you then can look at, um, their day routine, um, where they sleep, the other aspect for the, catnapper in the day is that we all have busy lifestyles and often what I find when I chat with parents, the baby could be asleep in the car, in a pram, in a baby carrier, in a cot. There's lots of different places and that's where sometimes if you're wanting to help support this catnapping, looking at your day, trying to have more of the sleeps at home, preferably in the cot than mixing the sleep space up too much. And then if you're trying to remove those unhelpful sleep associations that you use, um, that's where our settling methods can, can yeah. assist with that. I used to say I, I felt like he had fear of missing out. That he, that he thought that something else more exciting was going on. But the good news is he now, I think, wild horses wouldn't wake him up. If you went into the room, I can turn the lights on and bang around and he's out. Yeah. Um, you talked about with uh, the sleep routines, should you treat daytime naps differently to nighttime? Uh, I suppose the, in a sense, the the actual 
bedtime routine, which we've chatted about quite a bit. Um, so that sequ- sequence of activities before they go down to sleep, you can apply day and night. Just with night, you would incorporate usually a bath mm-hmm. um, as a more relaxing way to wind down the end of the day. Um, day is light, night is dark. So baby has to get used to sleep in a lighter sleep environment. So we just say dimly lit room. It doesn't have to be black blackout curtains or anything yep. like that. And um, and as I had mentioned before about the busy lifestyles that people have, usually you'll notice when I chat with parents, day naps can be in lots of different spots. And that's fine if there's no issues with the baby and especially if the baby has elder brothers and sisters, usually they're often wake, woken up for school pickup, drop yeah. off, that sort of stuff. So the the poor babies that follow usually have a little bit more disrupted day naps. <laughs> it's that it's that whole thing, isn't it? With the first baby, there's a thousand pictures, and by the time you get to the second and third, you, you, there's lucky to be one at all. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> what about babies that fight bedtime? And again, you know, I'll put my hand up. My son was this one as well. He'd be doing headstands in the bed and all sorts of things. How do you help that baby settle? So if they're fighting their bedtime, then I would say have a look at their day, what's what their day routine is like, because they could be overstimulated, overtired, or even perhaps, Erin, believe it or not, you might be wanting to put them down before they're ready to go to sleep. Yep. <laughs> so um, always, um, so reflect on that. That's where looking at that day routine is really helpful. And as I'd mentioned a little bit earlier, the actual uptimes that the baby should have. Sometimes um, people might be trying to put in uh, more, an extra nap, more than what's needed, or perhaps they might need an extra an extra nap, it might be too long a period waiting that waiting before bedtime that they're up for. Many parents that will chat with me seem to also have these really scheduled times that babies need to feed and go to nap and have these really enormous um, lengths of day sleeps, which can be a real, little bit unrealistic. So I think always look at your own baby. Um, be flexible a little bit, but certainly look at their day routine because they can get overstimulated in that um, when it's time for bedtime. Mm-hmm. And I just take a note to that's that's referring to what you can do for the child, but also look at yourself because depending on your situation, um, if you're back at work or things like that, and you're exhausted and Let's face it. That time of the evening is always like a horror time for. <laughs> I don't think it ever. Hour, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, I don't think it ever changes, Erin. No, no matter the age of your children, it's such a busy time of the mm. evening, and you're really wanting everything finished so you can sit and relax. But um, it's important for you maybe to take time yourself and think. No, I've got to invest a little bit of time with this settling, so you to try to be in a good space mentally um, and not be trying to expect more than what the baby can do. Yeah, I really like what you said too about every baby is different. That's something we really need to remember because often you think, oh, his brother didn't do that or, you know, the the other mums in the mother's group say that their baby's going to sleep fine. Every baby is different. Yeah, and you certainly notice that with the more children you have because what underpins that is each child has their own temperament and personality. So um, that, that really impacts, especially if your child 
what I notice, more outgoing, mm. louder, push the boundaries, then that can certainly make a little bit more challenging for you with the sleep. Yeah. What about things now like sleep aids? Should we be trying to wean off the white noise? Okay, so that's that's a good question because that, that sort of draws back to when I was talking about these unhelpful sleep associations, which say under four to six months are okay to do, especially under three months when we'd spoken before about the younger baby and those crying periods mm. and sometimes you do whatever works go with it. But moving forward, especially in the next six to 12 months of age, the the props or the aids that you use to help support your baby to go to sleep can um, come back and bite you yes. in a sense, yeah, because they're not really um, in a sense allowing the baby to learn the skills to really truly settle on their own. Um, I'll have parents say to me, oh, my baby self-settles, but they use a dummy. Mm. And I would say, well, the dummy is an, is an aid for doing that. So moving forward, um, I would usually suggest, yes, certainly try to wean the baby from a lot of those things. I think probably looking in that second um, six months of life, between yeah. six and 12 months. Um, with In respect to um, the noise, white noise, uh, there's actually no research at the moment. That, that seems to be a new thing, especially the noise on apps and things like that and in toys and all these products that are put out for babies. We don't have a lot of research on that at the moment. So for a younger baby, if it works for you, go with it. But mm-hmm. I do think moving forward in after six months, you might be looking at slowly trying to um, remove that a little bit. Uh, Nightlights is another common thing. And especially just recently, there's been a lot of research about um, screen time and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff coming out. We know that the blue light emitted, say, from TVs, from phones, from iPads can be really stimulating. So certainly don't have any of that in your lead up to bedtime at yeah. night. Excellent. Now, the other end of the spectrum, and I know that you've been asked this because I'm pretty sure I asked you this <laughs> many, many years ago, the baby that wakes up before the crack of dawn. Yes. What do you do? It's so frustrating. Yeah. Um, I actually had one of those too. Um, the early riser, I would say from my experience, is the most challenging <laughs> sleep um, sleep concern to fix short term. It tends to improve as as baby gets older and as they are able to um, sleep longer at night and have uh, less day naps in particular – then that can have a flow on effect to help them sleep in a little bit more in the morning. Mm. Um, and I said to like that one day nap is after 12 months of age. So you could be looking at a, a time frame like that. Interestingly, what happens is that our internal body temperature is lowest in the early hours of the morning. So that in itself can trigger, um, us all to wake, in particular yeah. a baby. And especially if that, if they're at the age where they're moving around and all of that sort of stuff. So just make sure they're warm. So you might want to invest in like a sleeveless sleeping bag or something like that if they kick the covers off. Um, and also revisit too what I would suggest to parents is how do they know to go to sleep? So if they're needing a lot of support from you, that would be certainly something to try to pull back on, um, to be looking at them more, to learn the skills to self-settle. And Judy, it's not as simple as just putting the baby to bed later at night, is it? I know that I used to find if I put my son to bed later, he would actually wake up earlier. 
Yeah, that, that, that often seems to be the case, Erin. So I would still say stick to the usual bedtime, which for an older baby would be, say, between 7 to 8 p.m., and um, yeah, and just work on those other things that, that I had mentioned before. Re- really look at like how you're settling the baby, and also look at the routine that the baby would have in the day. Yeah, and when should we go to someone like you for help? Oh, okay, um, I think if ever sleep concerns you, then certainly. Um, uh, contact your child and family health nurse in the first instance is a really good community um, person for support. And then we have our phone line, our live chat service where you can contact us. And then we can let you know if we do think you might need some more practical support. We've got lots of um, centres in regional New South Wales now, including our centres in Sydney where we can offer day services and overnight services for assistance. Fantastic. Judy, thank you so much. Some fabulous advice again, as usual. Um, And of course, when we're the teenagers, we'll be complaining that all they do is sleep. Next episode, we're going to talk about the dreaded sleep regression. So just when you think you got it all sorted, it changes yet again. So thank you so much for joining us again today. And thank you for listening. For more advice on newborn and parenting expertise, head to practicalparenting.com.au and we'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe to the Baby Whisperer podcast. If you feel you'd like to speak to someone, please reach out to Tresillian at tresillian.org.au. We'll see you next time on the next episode of Practical Parenting's Baby Whisperer podcast. Bye for now. 